We've been talking about the purpose of the local church, and we've been kind of snowballing, so to speak, in a certain direction. And today we're going to hit a little bit more of the nitty-gritty, okay? Uh, a little bit more detailed than we have. And so I want you to look with me at a scripture on the screen. Just kind of follow along on the screen because you can take notes on the scriptures if you want. I encourage you, but we're going to be looking at mostly NIV, New Living, and so on. But First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, it says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. How many have tasted that the Lord is good? Amen. He is good. Praise God. Now look at verse 4. As you come to Him, who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus, all right? As you come to Him, the living stone. In some uh, translations, it might say the cornerstone. Rejected by human beings, but chosen by God and precious to Him. You also, everybody say, you also. So what does that mean? That means me. Point at yourself. Say me. All right. So me, you also, me, like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What I want to emphasize today is building a spiritual house for God. That's the title of my message, Building a Spiritual House for God. The Bible calls us living stones as Jesus. All right, living stones. Now, let me help you out with this. In the Old Testament, anybody remember the tabernacle that Moses was told to build? It was like a moving temple, okay? It was a giant tent, a very, very fancy tent, all right? But they called it the tabernacle. And they also had the temple that Solomon finally built. So they didn't have to use the tabernacle anymore. Now they had the temple. But it was referred to as the house of God in the Old Testament. That's how they knew what they were talking about. And literally, the Spirit of God dwelt there. Why? Because that's where, remember, they had the Ark of the Covenant. And they had all those resources. And the Spirit of God at that time didn't dwell in people. He dwelt in a location, so to speak, all right? He was only at one spot, and so it was called the house of God, literally. And when we come to the New Testament, that all changes when we use the reference house of God. In other words, in the New Testament, the believers themselves are known as the house of God. In other words, the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, say it with me. I am the temple or the house of God. All right, that's what you are, your spirit inside you, not your body. Your spirit, the real you on the inside of you, is the temple or house of God that the Lord dwells in now by his spirit. All right, all of us are the house of God. Now, this is where we come to what we're talking about. Jesus Christ himself is known as the builder of of this spiritual house of God, and you and I, as the believers, or the house of God, make up these living stones. 
All right? So God is building something. God is building or creating the church, the house of God, and He's using living stones. Say it with me. I am a living stone. All right? You're alive to God. Amen? You're not, you're not just a brick. All right? A brick is just a brick, right? It's just a rock, okay? It's not alive. All right, But you and I are living. You and I are alive to the presence of God in us, but we are those living stones. Now, let's talk about the foundation of the house of God real quickly. And it's a little bit of review real fast. Jesus declared that it was his church that was being built. Whose church is it? Jesus' church, okay? He is the head. He is the leader. He is the director. He is the master. He is the shepherd. All right, the great shepherd. It is his church, okay? Let's go to one of our main text scriptures, Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to read verses 15 through 18 in the New Living. And Jesus is speaking, and he said, Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? Speaking to his disciples. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, some of you might say, Well, duh, you know. But see, to them, Jesus hadn't revealed himself that way yet, all right? They knew Jesus was special. They followed him. I mean, they knew there was something special about the Lord. They knew that he was a great person and he should be followed. And they were obviously led by the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus. But as of yet, he was not revealed to that level, all right? And at this moment, Peter blows Jesus' mind. And he said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven revealed this to you. Now look what it says. You did not learn this from any human being. All right, you didn't learn this from a human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, there's two things I want you to see here that are very important. The foundation of the house of God is the truth, or is built on the truth, that Jesus Christ is the very Son of God. That's where it all starts. And that is what was revealed. It was revealed that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Is that not a game changer? He's not, he wasn't born like everybody else, Right? I mean, he's different. He is the son of the living God, and he's standing before them. I mean, this is a big deal. Well, the church, the foundation of the house of God is built on that truth. You take that truth out of the picture, and what happens? Everything crumbles. If Jesus isn't the son of God, then what are we all sitting here for? Right? It all comes back to what? Jesus being the son of the living God. Now, number two, the church is built on revelation knowledge. That's how Jesus builds the church, okay? He builds it on revelation knowledge. What is revelation knowledge? It is simply knowledge revealed by the Holy Spirit directly to the believer. It is not something that he can learn from another human being. I cannot give you revelation knowledge, all right? I can share knowledge and what I've learned. Revelation knowledge is the Holy Spirit inside the believer revealing something to them. All right? That's how God communicates with us, right? You don't hear God out in your ears in this physical world. 
you hear him in your spirit, man. All right? Inside you. This is exactly why the devil cannot defeat the church. Remember how we talked about last week? Remember when I asked Jack, how do you know, Jack, that you're born again? Exactly. And remember we went round and round with that, remember? In other words, I said, well, how do you know? I know. Well, how do you know? I know. How do you know? I know. I just know. In other words, there's something inside me that confirms I know this. How many of you know you're going to heaven when you die? I mean, I'm not going today, all right? I mean, how, unless Jesus comes back, okay? I mean, I mean, but how many, put your hands up again. How many know? How do you know you know? Could I talk you out of it? Could I put a gun to your head and talk you out? Say, no, I just know. I just know. Now, if you question that, if you said, well, I, I'm just not sure. Or if I said, well, listen, would you reject the Lord Jesus if I put a gun to your head? I'll shoot you if you don't reject him. This is where it comes down to what you really know. I mean, they do, they've done that in other areas of the world. I mean, you either reject Jesus or, you know, this is the consequence. Well, guess what? Hey, Jesus, I'm going to meet you just a little bit because <laughs> I'm not rejecting him. He's Lord, right? He is Lord. I'm not going to deny that. I mean, you can't make me deny that. Why? And I know where I'm going. I don't have any fear. How do you know? I just know. I just know on the inside of me. I can't explain to you how I know it. That is revelation knowledge. And listen to me, people. That is why the devil can't defeat the church. He can't compete with that. He's on the outside. But you got God on the inside of you. And that's why Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. How many know the church has gone on a long time? What is the most famous book in the world? You, you can be an atheist, you can deny things, you can kick, you can fuss, you can do what all you want, but you cannot deny this. It's still here, it's still going strong. Anywhere we glorify Jesus, there's going to be prosperity, there's going to be healings, there's going to be supernatural things take place. Anywhere, any, I dare you, you can go in the worst place in the world and start preaching Jesus and good things are going to start happening. Amen? Why? It's real. It's real. Amen? And so... We need to understand that is how Jesus is building the church. It's not through a, a learning through a textbook. It's not a human teacher can express it. It is directly by the Holy Spirit unveiling it to you on the inside. You know, I, I say it this way. Have you ever read the Bible? And you know, there's one thing about just reading the Bible and just reading it like any other book. And there's other times where it just popped out at me like it's just like wow i never saw that before or maybe you're hearing a message once in a while and all of a sudden it's like i've heard that thing, that message or that scripture 50 times in my life and all of a sudden ding i understand it or i get it now i get it now that is revelation knowledge Amen? That's a good thing. That's something that we ought to be asking the Lord for all the time. You know, Paul's prayers in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians 3, part of that is what he's talking about. He, he said, Father, open their eyes. Open their what? Open their spiritual eyes so that they can see as you see. That is revelation knowledge. I remember Brother Hagin Sr. 
He said one, one time, if you read in some of his books, he said that he was going along in life doing pretty well. I mean, he was, he was a young preacher, you know, and he loved God. And he's, he kind of had this understanding of faith because of how he got healed, remember? He got it by faith. And, but he still wanted more. And uh, one day, he got a hold of the Word of God in those prayers. And he said, for six months, he said, I would pray these prayers all the day long. I, he said, I was a pastor, and I would come down to the altar by myself in the daytime, and I, I'd open my Bible, and I'd get on my knees, and I would pray these prayers, and I would pray them constantly throughout the day, just constantly. Con- he said, six months. He said, I grew so much in six months, and my understanding, revelation, knowledge of the Word of God. He's like, what have I been preaching for the last so many years? He's like, what have I been talking about? It's like he just grew and realized how immature he really was, how little he really knew. Well, guess what? How many agree that you need to grow in some things? Well, that is part of that, that revelation knowledge. And so you ought to be praying those prayers. Again, that's Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. All right, the church is made up of those living stones we were talking about. Everybody say it again. Say, I am a living stone. All right? And you have a purpose. God's building up something. And so the church is made up of those living stones, and you and I are those stones. In 1 Corinthians 3.9 it says, For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, and you are God's, what does it say? Building. Is God building something? All right, You are God's building. You remember, it may have been a while since I've taught this, but I taught you where the word ministry means to serve, okay? And I really, uh, when I taught it, I kept on pressing it because I wanted you to think the first moment you, you saw the word or read the word or thought the word ministry, you were thinking serve, okay? Everybody say it with me, serve. So when we hear the word ministry, we think of serve. Jesus said himself that I did not come to the earth to be served, but to what? To serve, all right? He came to serve. You and I have a purpose. You're not here on this earth to be served. (laughs) You're here to be, to what? Be serving, right? To be serving. What does it say to you and I? We have a purpose. Say it with me. I have a purpose. Okay, not everybody's saying it. I'm looking around. I'm going to watch your mouth. You ready? Say it with me. I have a purpose. All right, God didn't waste his time making you, and he certainly didn't make a mistake. He made you with a purpose, okay? He has a purpose, a plan for you. He has giftings and talents and abilities inside you, whether you realize it or not. Many of you have simply not tapped in it. Why? Fear. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to do this. What if I step out and fail? What if I do this? What if I do? Well, let's put it another way. What if I step out and find out, oh my gosh, what have I been missing all my life? Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I shared with you guys years ago, and I don't want to spend a lot of time. I remember there was a woman. We needed some help in a classroom. And there was a woman that loved God dearly. She was one of these front row, cheering the pastor on, wrote every note down. She was always excited to hear the word of God. And one day, I needed help. So I tapped her on the shoulder. I said, I I need some help in a class. You mean you want me to leave the service? To go in a classroom? And she now this woman would do anything if it was outside the service, okay? I mean, she'd get out there, and if I asked her to cut the grass one 
little thing at a time, she'd do it if she didn't miss the service. But dear Lord, asking her to miss that service. So she went back, and she was a little hot-headed. And, and, she, I, ugh, and she was mad. And she actually walked around the building one time. And I'm like, I don't know what her big deal is. I mean, I, you know, I'm thinking it's one service, you know. Well, anyway, she finally comes back, gets her attitude together, and goes in the class. She gets in the class, and she starts doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that. And all of a sudden, she finds out, oh, my gosh, what have I been missing this entire time? She loved kids and never knew it. She had a gifting and a calling to love on kids and be a blessing and teach them. And she never knew it. Why? Because she would never budge from what she had. Or just say, I'm just too old. I can't do that. Or give any excuse they want and miss out on something. Guess what you couldn't do now? You can't get her out of a classroom. I mean, now she, she gets mad when they, when they not schedule her on her to give her a break. She, I don't need no break. I love God. And that's what I want to do. You know? And I'm thinking... She found out there was something in her that she never knew was there because she never stepped out and tried anything. Everybody say amen or oh me. Listen to me. That is a seed I'm trying to put out there. All right. So when I talked about serving, remember a ministry? Everybody remember what is what does ministry mean? <laughs> a little delayed, but okay. What does ministry mean? Let's go real fast. What does ministry mean? There we go. Instant. All right, okay. Instant. So believers must begin to realize, we must begin to realize that our ministry or service is what? Is a ministry or service of building up the house of God. And every single part of us have a part to play. How many of you know you can't build a brick building with a brick? How many would agree? Unless it's one monster brick, okay? We just use the hole in the center to live in. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the reality is, is that the brick, okay, or concrete or whatever we want to use, it takes several pieces all doing their part to create a wall. And another wall, and another wall, so we can put a roof on, so we can have a structure, so it's meaningful and can do something. But see, the problem is we have a lot of the members of the body of Christ that think, oh, I'm of no value. I don't matter. I don't really want to get involved. I don't want to do this. So we have a lot of bricks over here saying, I don't want to play with the rest of the bricks. I just want to be over here and take care of myself. And the problem is we have a lot of bricks missing over here to build something. You and I are called to build the spiritual house of God. How do we do that? We do that by a lot of things, by reaching out to others. In other words, sharing the gospel. We call that what? New births, right? We call it reaching out, individual. We could do it as a church. We can do it as individuals as we're going around doing our thing. We teach and train people in the truths of God's Word. That's discipleship. We love and encourage members of the family. In other words, that's fellowship. You guys love that. I mean, everybody loves the fellowship part. It's some of the other aspects that become a little bit tough. Everybody, though, loves to come together and just have a good time. But we need to remember there's more than just that. There's people dying, going to hell, and we can make a difference. There's people sick that can get healed, and we can make a difference. Amen? 
There's people that, that, that are on all kinds of problems, that, that have all kinds of issues, that you can make a difference, that we can make a difference. There's teamwork. In other words, sharing and working alongside one another. There's using the unique gifts and abilities and talents that God placed in our lives. And again, some of you might think, well, I don't have anything to contribute. I, listen to me. I promise you God did not make a mistake. Every single one of us have something to contribute. And when we don't know what to contribute, then jump in anywhere you can. I want every single person to stand up in this room right now. Everybody stand up. All right. You ready? All right. You ready? All right. You ready? All right. Everybody do this. Everybody doing it? I'm looking around. Holy cow! Every single one of you can run a vacuum cleaner. Every one of you. Everybody, let's try this. Let's try this. Woo! Every one of you have the gift of brooming. You can be seated. What I'm trying to say is when you don't know what to do, you say, Lord, I want you to use me. I want to be a part of what you're calling. I want to be valuable, but I don't know what it is I have inside me that's, that's different than other people. Then you do what you know to do. You just jump in where you can. You understand? Did everybody get that? It's that simple. You just ju- everybody do this. Man. Remember? Wax on, wax off. Yeah. The old movie. I know she's probably thinking, what is he talking about? You know. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is you just jump in and do what you can. Every one of you can greet someone and open the door. Right? I mean, you can smile, everybody smile. I'm looking at you, I can see you smiling. <laughs> you know? Now, some of you have a greater gift at that than others. Some of you are just naturally bubbly, and you just, you're just, it's a joy to run into. You ever met someone like that? There's just, you're, I mean, you know, now on your bad days, you're like, I don't want to see that person right now. Because I maybe want to have a stinker attitude, you know, and I just don't want to see that person. But, but you, you run into them and they just make a smile come out your face. You know, <laughs> they just are, are just, they, get, they have an anointing, a gift. There's something in them that God gave them that just is, is very hospitable. It's just, it's just good in that regard. Not everybody has that, you know. That doesn't necessarily mean they've got to be Oscar the Grouch either. You know what I mean? But the fact is we all have gifts and abilities that God wants to use to build up the house of God. There's also establishing an atmosphere where we honor Jesus as king. We lift him up. That's called worship. The bottom line is this. The entire building process is initiated and directed by the Lord Jesus. He's the one who's building up this spiritual house. Acts 20.32 says this, It says, now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those that he has set apart for himself. You have been set apart for himself. Say it with me. I have been set apart for him. See, the Lord has a place for you. You're not just out there floating and missing and saying, well, the Lord must have missed it with me. No, no, he did not. It's not a mistake that you're here today. Now listen, we must cooperate with God 
as he brings us together as a family. And this is the part that everybody needs. This gets in our life, okay? This gets into, wait a minute now, it's not just on God. I've shared with you God's heart, but I need you to see your part in connecting with him in this. Look with me, Ephesians chapter 2, and let's read 19 through 22. I really love this. So now you Gentiles, by the way, I I don't want anybody reading their Bible and saying, what is this or that? There are three main characters in the Bible, okay? Really three main characters in the world, okay? You ready? I can't say the world anymore because we'll go back in the Old Testament. There was the Jews, there was the Gentiles, okay? The Jews, the Gentiles. In the New Testament, we have the Jews, the Gentiles, and the Christians, okay? Everybody got that? The Jews, the Old Testament Jews, carried over. We have the Gentiles, which means everybody in the world outside the family of God, okay? And outside being a Jew. Everybody with me so far? And then you have the Christians in the New Testament. There's three. So in other words, when you're reading the New Testament, you need to determine, is it speaking to the Jews? In some cases, in some scriptures, is it speaking to the Gentiles? Or is it speaking to the Christians, Okay, most of it's speaking to Christians, but there are areas that are referring to and they're not referring to Christians. Okay, or they're not referring to Jews. So what do we think of when we think of the word Gentile? We just think of any non-believer. All right. Just an unbeliever who's not a Jew. (laughs) I mean, that's that that's a good chunk of the rest of the world. All right. So let's read it from there. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Isn't that good? Say, I'm a member of God's family. That's good. I'm a member of God's family. Now, together we are His house. Together we are His house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. He's the foundation, okay? Everything comes from Him. Now look at verse 21. We are carefully joined together in Him. Now who's the one joining us in Him? Who's the head of the church? Jesus, right? It's His church. He's building His church. So notice what it says. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple in the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So what are we talking about? We're talking about building the house of God or the spiritual house of God. We are all family members and we all have a part. Everybody say all. All of us. All You can't say, you, you can't be in this room and say, well, that's not me. I'm just a, a person that wants to observe. But see, God has more than that, doesn't he? All of us have a part. All of us have a part. All right? That's what I want to stress. So God has established, listen to me carefully, God has established the small group concept in order to turn strangers and foreigners, as it referred to, into fellow citizens and saints. What is he talking about? The local church. He's talking about the local church. Because remember, what is the church? That's everybody right who has ever been born again i mean is part of the body of christ and there's some of us in heaven and there's some of us on the earth and how many know we can't all get together and meet on earth it'd have to be one big (laughs) 
facility. There's no way we're all going to meet on earth. So what does God do? God takes pockets here and here and here. And you might say, well, he only does it in zones. Not true. Who is not from Oklahoma? Raise your hand. So you don't even have to be from Oklahoma to be part of Oklahoma's little tribe here. Right? I mean, we're from different cities, different backgrounds, different, uh, you name it. I mean, in fact, when you, when you think about it, it's kind of crazy how God would put us together because we all have all these dislikes and, and differences, you know what I mean? I mean, Rita over here would prefer a hot dog over a steak. God forbid. We're different. She wants it warm all the time, <laughs> you know, all the time. She's comfortable in 95 degrees. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I'm not. So what I'm trying to say is, why would God bring us together? Isn't it odd? Aren't you glad that not everybody's like you? Doesn't that give us flavor? Doesn't it give us differences? And, and it also, what does it cause? It causes growth. Why? Because we have to work alongside each other, even though we're so different. Do you see what the Lord's doing? Do you think He has a plan? I mean, here I come all the way from Massachusetts, never dreaming that I could be an Okie from Muskogee. I mean, I mean, you know, what I'm saying is, is that the Lord knows what He's doing. He's bringing, if you will, those living stones. He said, no, no, you belong here. You belong here. You belong here. How many think the Lord knows what He's doing? He knows what he's doing. Even though sometimes we can't wrap our head around it, he knows what he's doing. You know where you fit. You know where, I can't always explain it, but I know where I belong. I know who my pastor is. I know where I belong. Even though it may not be everything that you imagine in a picture. And I believe there's a whole host of people in this area that are called here, that are str- they're struggling because of maybe the gravel driveway, They're struggling because of the past. They're struggling because it's not the biggest thing they've ever seen with the biggest, you know, whatever. You fill in the blank. There are certain hang-ups, but if they would just step in the door, if they would just give it a chance, and they would find out, I'm home. I'm home. I'm loved. I'm cared for. You you all understand what I'm saying, don't you? There's something special about that. You know, how many of you know when family comes together, you don't always agree? (laughs) <laughs> you know, you can always find something to fuss about. You guys look at me like, oh, no, sort of, Pastor. You all know exactly what I'm talking about. You get a bunch of close family members together, as much as I love to be around each other, and you're going to get energy. We'll call it energy, okay? Sometimes good energy, sometimes bad energy, but there's energy there, all right? And the reality is, but, but did you ever notice, I want you to think about this with me for a moment, if something bad, a catastrophe happens in the family, no matter how bad that family is, you know what I'm saying? No matter how, how poisoned they really were, did you ever notice what happens to them when something bad happens? They come together. Think about our nation. How many would agree that our nation is a divided nation? I mean, it's either black or white. It's either religious or not. It's either democrat or republican we are a divided nation we are but did you ever notice when someone comes and hurts one of our members in this nation what happens for some reason we forget 
that you're a different color. We forget you're a different religious background. We forget you're a liberal or a conservative. And what do we do? We come together. Think about 9-11 and things like that. Now, does it last forever? No, no. I mean, but a few weeks. <laughs> I mean, we're good and solid till we get most of the problem solved. And, and then it slowly, why? Because it shows who we really are. But what I'm saying is, have you ever noticed that there's this mentality that if something, when, when, if someone really tries to challenge the United States of America, we rise up. You know what I'm saying? If they really, we can say all we want. Oh, I'm moving to Canada if so-and-so gets into office. I haven't seen too many of them move. Have you? I mean, but the reality, if something bad happened, everybody will forget everything and come together. Churches ballooned after 9-11 for a short time. I mean, just ballooned. Why? People were searching for meaning in their life. They're searching for truth. They're, they're hurting. They have questions you know what I'm saying? And then it eventually slowly works its way back to the way it was. In the church, though, that should never be. See, when one of us hurts, Satan, don't you dare touch one of my family members. See, how many of you moms would get right in the face of the biggest guy who tried to hurt one of your kids? Right? My wife would tear some guy's face off. I don't care how big he is. She ain't stopping until the job's done. Why? That's my kid. You don't t- Now, we can badmouth our kids all we want. All right, <laughs> but don't you touch my family. You know what I'm saying? Y'all understand that? My son, he'd pick on his sisters till the day is long. Just drive them nuts. But I'm telling you what: if some guy tried to hurt one of them in front of him, he's gonna be sorry. You understand why? That's my family. You don't touch my family. That's how we ought to be with one another. You don't touch my family, devil. And see, the Lord stirred me up over the last couple of days because I realized the devil was trying to stir up strife. He's trying to cause maybe some of you to question things. Maybe even some of you have noticed this, like, there's just been more stuff going on, you know, uh, more than normal, it seems like, you know. And I'm not, I'm not saying it isn't always high, but maybe it went a little higher and I started noticing in the church more and more stuff, even in my own personal life. And I was talking to Larry and Lisa after we, had, we were outside, and we actually met Forrest and Clara. Uh, I know your names. And uh, I had something else going in my mind. But we met them while we were uh, leaving St. Francis and kind of ran into them. And I thought, boy, that's the, praise God. I mean, here she is getting overloaded with people going to see her, you know. And I thought, that's good. That's the body of Christ coming together. And as we were walking away, I started noticing. And I asked, I asked Larry about a couple things. He's like, you know, I've noticed the same thing. And so I said, we need to pray. And, and so we prayed individually. And then, of course, this morning at, at prayer, we, you know, he was on fire. I mean, Larry was just going at it, you know, because we're like, devil, get your filthy hands off my family. Don't you touch my family. That's how I feel about you. When something goes on your life, it makes me angry. Devil, get your hands off my family. Angels go to work, you know, see to it that that's changed, you know. It bothers me a lot. Well, all of us should feel that way. All of us want it to be successful. Together, we become a holy temple for a dwelling place for God. We come back to this thing where God brings us together. It's more than just, oh, that's church. 
It's so much more. It is so supernatural. It is so, the Lord is behind it. You're not just here by accident. It's not just, it didn't just happen because you thought you chose something. No, the Lord is behind it. And all of us, everybody say all of us, need to be involved in the activities that establish the family of God. I mean, all of us. Now, I'm just going to stop where I'm at because I got more and I don't want to keep on going and just pushing and pushing because I really believe this is a good, good place to stop. Listen, listen carefully to me, everyone. This is so important. Life, the Bible describes our life like a vapor. It's just here, it's gone. It's just our, our life, how many degree, as you've gotten older, it seems like time speeds up. It's like, it's Christmas, it's Christmas, it's Christmas. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like, it's just, you know, when I was a little kid, I could just watch the clock and just like, oh dear God, it's only been 30 seconds, you know? But now we're like, oh my gosh, where'd the time go? Now it's, it's four hours later, you know? And I'm like, I, I don't have a time enough to get enough done. So in other words, I'm not saying time is really speeding up, but I am saying that we get the sense as we get older Time is fleeting. It's just, it's, it's the one thing that we all have in common, is it not? I don't care if you're rich or poor, educated or not, where you live in the world. What's the one thing we all have? Same amount of time. It's what we do with the time that we have that counts. Why are we here on earth? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why am I here? Why, when we got born again, did the Lord not just take us? Why, did it, why couldn't we just get born again and zoom, we're Star Trek to heaven? Why not? Could he have? Sure. But see, he had a purpose. He had a plan. Way back, he was thinking of you. Now, you might not think that way, but he was. As you were, listen to me, he knew you before you were born. He knew you before you became this itty-bitty little microscopic thing inside mom. I mean, he knew you and he had plans for you. He had an anointing, gifts and callings and a purpose for our life. And sometimes we can come in life and no one tells us this. No one really says, you matter No one really says, you are important. And you want to leave your stamp here while you're here. You want to make a difference. Every single one of us, listen carefully everybody, every single one of us are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account for our life. It's really going to happen. I know some of you think, yeah, 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 like you did when you were a kid. Remember when you thought you'd live forever? It never even occurred to you that anything could happen. It never occurred to you that life would just change, you know, that you would get older. And sometimes you might look in the mirror and say, where did time go by? It's like, it's just there. I mean, I, I, could, I, I remember when Lisa and I were first excited about when she first got pregnant. Here we are, all the kids are gone now. Where did the time go by? It's like, it's just, it's just what's next and what's next and just gone. The reality is, somewhere in there, you're going to have to make the decision. Some of you have, some of you haven't. You're going to have to make the decision. Wait a minute, wait a minute now. Time's running out, and God has a purpose and a plan. And I'm going to stand before Him and give an answer for my life. 
And see, that, that is not going to be, listen carefully, because some of you got this thought, well, that will all be about being good or bad. No, it won't. No, it won't. You are good. How do I know you're good? You are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's not the question. That's not the issue at hand. The question or issue at hand is, God says, I had this plan for you. Where did you line up with it? Where did you line up with it? Now, is that going to mean you're going to be cast out? No. No. But it's going to be one moment before God that will get way down deep in your heart, that will rip your heart right out that you didn't give Him everything you had when you had the chance. Now, will He love you? Absolutely. Well, it not even, that's not even an issue. But the reality is, He created me. And I don't say to the Creator, well, thank you, see ya. He created me. And He had a purpose and a plan for me. And so I am to take that and give my life to Him. And the, the, the great part is, my Creator lost me. And then He chased me down. Just to get me back. Not to see what I could do for Him, but so that He could share His love with me. <laughs> I mean, I tell you, God is so good. He is so I can't, I can't even describe how good He is. And that makes me want to lay down more of my life for Him. See, it's not a matter of, well, pastor, you're called to preach and you're a man of God. And that's what you're supposed to be. So are you. Everybody say it with me. Say, I am a child of the living God. You matter. You have purpose. God has something specific in your life. And it starts with the basics. That means like in church, in this kind of situation, take a step forward. Quit holding back and making excuses. The part of the local church that's so important is this is where we practice these things. How do I show God I love Him? Well, the local church is an excellent way to express that. You know what I'm saying? Because I could just say, God, I love you, but that doesn't mean anything if I don't show Him. So what I do is I take the things that are important to God and I make them valuable in my life. Is church important to God? Oh, you bet it is. He gave His life for it. He gave His life for this. And you know what? Some countries you can't even get together and I couldn't talk like I'm talking right now without being hauled off to jail. Aren't we blessed? Aren't we blessed that we get to serve God and honor God openly without hindrance? But see, sometimes we let what other people will think about us be the hindrance. We let our self-doubts be the hindrance. We let I'm too old to do anything. Baloney. There's always something to do. There's always some way to minister. And what does minister mean? To serve. There's always some way to serve. Always. From the oldest to the youngest. I've seen Jake do more things than I've seen some older people do. I'm serious. And he loves to do it. You know? I mean, he enjoys it. You know? He gets to be a part of things. You know, they can act like he's a grown-up, like he's, he's making a difference. But guess what? He's making a difference. Right? I mean, 
if that area needed to get vacuumed, what do I care how old someone is who vacuumed it one way or the other? What's the main issue? It got vacuumed, right? Whether it be someone 95 or it be a 7-year-old or a 5-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 50-year-old. The bottom line is the job needs to get done, right? The job needs to get done. Let me leave you with one thing, and I just want to leave you with this. I think this will be a blessing to you. This was a little story called Not My Job. Many of you have heard something like this, but I just want you to, to, to take this personally, okay? There's a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. And there was an important job to be done. And everybody was sure that somebody would do it. And anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got upset about that because it was everybody's job. And everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have. And I know that's like, ha ha ha. But the reality is there's so much truth wrapped in that. There's so much truth wrapped in that. We all need to do our part. Every part of the body is necessary. You know, I don't mind giving up my organs, for example, when I die. But why do I want my organs now? I need them, right? I need every part. You know, they say there are some parts of your body that are not as important as the other. But the reality is that's not really true. Every single part of your body is important for optimal everything in your body right? Optimal. Isn't there a big difference between just getting by and optimal? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe always feeling tired and worn out, always being dragged down. That's not optimal. That is hard. Larry and I were talking about it because Lord was digging me, digging him through me about making, you know, you need to get some sleep. You know, you need to make sure you're getting rest. And, and he started to. He said he started acting on that and, and feeling better. And the reality is, is that, that we, can't just be, we can't be running. How many would say, I'm going to go on a marathon, and it's, it's a running marathon, and it's going to be, uh, let's say, uh, it's going to be a, a two-mile run, okay? You've never done this before in your life, all right? ever, ever done it before in your life. Now, some of you, if I said run from this part of the wall to that part of the wall, may faint before you get done. All right, scratching the floor. Maybe I could make it, you know. Lord, just take me now. I mean, you know, I mean, that kind of thing. Now, how many of you would say, okay, the marathon is next week. Hey, honey, let's go to McDonald's and fuel up. You wouldn't do that, would you? But yes, sometimes we run our life that way. You need to fill yourself up with the life of God, with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, and then come to church and then encourage one another. Help one another. Get involved. How many would agree? Do not raise your hand. But I want you to think about this. Those of you that have taken this step to get involved that changed everything in your life. It was like something transformed in you and your attitude towards the church. It's like all of a sudden I took ownership. It's me. It's mine. It's not just someone else's. And that's what I'm saying with a lot of people in the room that somehow something supernatural happens when we take a step forward. Amen? 
Everybody say, I love you, Pastor. <laughs> Listen to me, guys. I'm telling you these things because, number one, it's the Word of God and the Spirit of God directed me. I asked the Lord while we were in the offering. I, I kind of walked around a little bit by myself knowing the importance of this and asking the Lord to deal with each and every one of your hearts, to deal with mine, to show us and give us that understanding of how important it is to the success of the whole body that every part does its share, that every part's connected. It's not just me nagging. Sometimes we can look at that in church. They're always asking for help. Do I do that all the time? Do I beg and plead? No. I don't say, if you don't give in this offering, this faith ministry is going under. I mean, I, I don't pester you. I don't, I don't. But when the Lord is talking to me through you, heed it. Heed it. Act on it. I know, I know the Lord spoke to many of you in your heart. I know He spoke to all of us in our hearts. It's our choice what we do with it. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to give you those opportunities to be involved, to, to up the game. And I was going to do something this morning, but I decided not to because I, the Lord spoke to me about some changes that need to be made that would open it a little bit wider. Just my viewpoint. Because I was thinking about sometimes there's someone who says, well, I just can't do this or this, but I might be able to do this. And I thought, I need to expand my viewpoint, is what I'm trying to say. And so we're going to make that, but I believe that the Lord planted a seed in your heart today. Amen. Let's all stand. Praise God. Aren't you glad you came to church? Aren't you glad you have a good church? I tell you what, guys, I thank God for you guys all the time. I do. I'm so thankful that the Lord led me here, and, and I, I'm, I'm thankful that the, the family he's put around me, it is a joy for me to come. It is a joy for me to, you know, shake your hand and, and just, I love to see you guys. And when someone's not here, it nags me. It just bugs me, you know. Not because I'm picking on them about not coming. It's because there's something about <laughs> that you guys are the sheep and I'm the under-shepherd. And there's something about, I don't want anybody missing out on a meal. I don't want anybody missing.